the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for July 13th, 2020, featuring poet Candace Williams leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, usually held in non-COVID times at 61 local in Cobble Hill. For more information and to sign up for the YAWP, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Stella Lee, Megan Moylan, Frank Rubino, Laura Tucker, Rita Simmons, Todd Friedman, Rebecca Vega Romero, Lila Rudishauser, Harvey Sauce, Preeti Shah, Bonnie Belay, Gerald Wagoner, Keyshawn Moore, Arthur Russell, Robin Romeo, Kyle Brosnahan, Constantine Jones, our own Renee Kay, and our own Jay Eason. And by our own, I mean our beloved Brooklyn Poets staff. Let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for July. Enjoy. Okay, everyone, uh, we are going to get started again uh, with the open mic portion of the evening. Hopefully, you all have had a chance to uh, refresh your drinks if you're doing that. <laughs> Go to the bathroom, get a snack, uh, pet your cat, pet your dog. Um, uh, I really would like to ask how everyone's doing. I just feel like I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> and I see a bunch of uh, non-enabled cameras. So, uh, oh, there, everyone's coming back. So now I don't feel so lonely. Thanks. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining me for this event. Um, can you all hear? You can all hear me, yes. <laughs> all right, great. Um, before we get started with the open mic, uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, one, our workshops. Um, if you are interested in taking a workshop with Candace, unfortunately, her workshop is already underway and sold out. Uh, but uh, hopefully, Candace will be teaching again for us in the fall. And if not the fall, some future uh, workshop season. We will be opening uh, registration for fall workshops at the end of July, I believe, the last time I checked my calendar. Uh, pretty sure it's the, the last week of July. Uh, and so basically the, what that means is during the month of August, uh, we will have our fellowship application season opened. If you are interested in applying for a fellowship to possibly get an award to take a workshop for free or a partial fellowship, partial fellowship award that we award to finalists and semifinalists as well. Uh, you should definitely look into that. Go to brokenpoets.org, check out our workshops. You're not going to see any of the fall workshops because they're not there yet, but you can definitely uh, check out the fellowship page and see what you would have to prepare for that. Um, and there is also an early registration discount that usually runs for about four or five weeks, and that will be in the month of August whenever we open registration, which again, as I said, I believe is at the end of July, um, that last week. Um, an event that we have coming next week, next Thursday, is uh, the next installment of the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series, which, as all of our events are right now, will be held virtually uh, on Zoom. Uh, this is next Thursday, July 23rd. It will be at 7 p.m., and it features 
poets Zandria Phillips, Danica Kelly, and Rachel Eliza Griffiths, uh, three fantastic poets. Uh, many of you probably know them already. Uh, you can find out more information about that on our website as well under events and under Brooklyn Poets Reading Series. We are going to be sending out a newsletter about that tomorrow morning. If you are subscribed to our newsletter, if you are not, you can do that very easily. Go to our homepage, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, if not, you can just go to the reading series page on our website and click on the registration link. It's going to ask, it's going to take you to Eventbrite to register. Um, the event is free, but we are encouraging donations. If you can spare something, uh, there are three different orgs that the poets picked to donate to. Uh, you can read more about them there. Um, I'm not going to share that information now because I would like to talk a little bit about the orgs that we're going to be donating to for the YAWP. Uh, so if you are here with us tonight, uh, that means you have uh, donated some money. Thank you for that. And we are going to be donating that money to a couple of orgs that I would like to point you to. So I'm going to share my screen right now. Don't be alarmed as I take over your laptops. Uh, the first org we're donating to uh, is, again, maybe an org that you've already donated to this month. And if you've done that, good for you. Um, uh, the first org we're donating to is the National Bailout Collective. You can see here, that's uh, a pretty badass photo they have here. I'm trying to get these images of people's faces out of the screen <laughs> so I can read this. The National Bailout Collective is a Black-led and Black-centered collective of abolitionist organizers, lawyers, and activists building a community-based movement to support our folks and end systems of pretrial detention and ultimately mass incarceration. Incarceration. We are people who have been impacted by cages, either by being in them ourselves or witnessing our families and loved ones be encaged. We are queer, trans, young, elder, and immigrant. Uh, I love reading mission statements like this because it makes me feel some hope for humanity. Hopefully it makes you feel some hope as well. Uh, if you would like to donate more to National Bailout, you certainly can. You see that red donate button, the upper right corner of the screen. You don't have to limit yourself to the $5 you donated for this event. The other org we are donating to was selected by Candace Williams, the Okra Project, an org that many of you probably know already. Uh, they also have a badass website with this great video here. Uh, one of the coolest and most unique mission statements um, that I've seen. The Okra Project is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing home cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to black trans people wherever we can reach them. Uh, they extend free, delicious, and nutritious meals to black trans people experiencing food insecurity. So check this out. Uh, it's really cool what they do. Uh, I invite you to look at the website, read more about it. And again, uh, if you would like to donate more to the Okra Project, we encourage you to do so. Um, a few ground rules for the open mic and just some guidelines for how we are going to proceed. Um, if you have, I'm gonna stop sharing for a second. If you have uh, never read for the open mic before or never attended, uh, we record the open mic, as I said, at the start of the workshop as a podcast. Uh, it's called the Yopcast. usually comes out a couple of weeks after the Yop ends. You can find that on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, various other podcasting <laughs> subscription services. Uh, um, definitely check it out. Rate us if you can. Five stars would be wonderful. Anything less than that is just not necessary, so just don't even bother. Uh, if you want to leave us a review, that would be great as well. Uh, it helps other people find the podcast, which of course helps other people find the poets that are reading for the open mic, which is the important thing. Uh, every month we vote for a poem of the month. 
Um, and the way you do that is by texting me. I'm going to put my number into the chat right now. Send your vote to 718-374-1953. And I ask that you wait until the end of the open mic to cast your vote. Uh, we're going to be screen sharing the poems by each of the poets. So you'll get a good look at their names as well as their poems. So uh, there's really no excuse for any spelling mistakes in their names. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, look closely. Uh, you might even write it down or type it down. But um, wait till the end of the open mic to vote. All you got to do is text me the poet's name uh, and I will get the vote. Uh, every month we uh, pick a winner, poem of the month. And then at the end of the year, the 12 winners of poem of the month over the course of the past year, starting in December of 2019 will face off for Poem of the Year honors. Uh, it's looking more and more like that event that we call, jokingly, the Poem of the Year Smackdown is probably gonna be virtual, uh, which kind of sucks, but uh, we've enjoyed these events virtually and we're just gonna keep doing it because uh, you know what we're not gonna do? Fucking do what Florida did. <laughs> and the fucking rest of the Midwest and the South, we're not gonna just start killing people in the name of poetry. Um, although that would be uh, sort of a weird, <laughs> headline to see in the news uh but uh, we don't want to create any more headlines for uh unnecessary deaths uh we i really just i think we've all had about enough of that shit so uh the poem of the year smackdown will likely be virtually unless a miracle takes place and if that happens then we'll all see each other and hug and uh, have drinks and have a really great time in december but um uh Vote for the poem of the month at the end of the open mic. Uh, what else? Uh, this is usually when I ask Arthur Russell if I've forgotten anything. Oh, if you don't want to be on the podcast, you don't have to be. Uh, someone has already requested not to be on the recording this month. Just email me. You can tell me uh, you don't want to be in the recording. Maybe the thing you're reading is too private. You're worried about it. Maybe it's draft and you're really obsessive like I am. You don't want it out in the world. Just tell me and I can take it off the recording. Um... What else? There was something that just like flitted into my head that I, I thought I needed to share and I feel like now I've uh, forgotten it. Um, oh, three minutes on the mic. Uh, you all know that already. I've already seen the poems in the poem doc. I've already vetted them. <laughs> uh, nothing seems longer than three minutes. It's one of the beauties of uh, asking for the poems in advance. Nobody can sneak in an eight page poem. Uh, please keep to your time. It's one poem three minutes for every poet poet on the open mic list uh but we are going to start by hearing from our featured reader who is uh, candace williams the leader of our workshop i just want to bring that book that was in the background up to the screen you can see it right here it's one of the coolest books uh that i've ever seen uh not just the poems inside but the design of the original edition i think now there's a bound edition that uh is still available right candace that one hasn't sold out yes edition is just a perfect bound book yeah I have a very special first edition, which sold out on the night of the launch. So just take yeah. care. This is this one folds out. I'm not going to unfold the whole thing because I'm going to create a mess. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of what happens. And unfortunately, you can't own this one because uh, they are sold out, and I own this one. So uh, if you want to see it, come over sometime. Uh, wear a mask. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to share my screen again, and uh, it's going to be pretty cool to see the first document because Candace is sharing uh, an erasure poem. Uh, so uh, you will see uh, a visual image as well. All right. Great. Go for it, Candace. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to read two 
erasure poems. Um, these are erasures that I've done of the New York Times. If you know me, you know I have a hate, kind of don't hate sometimes relationship with the New York Times. So I'm going to start with Panther Gets Loose. Panther gets loose, gnaws his way from cage. Keepers with net, ropes, and chains spread terror in the neighborhood for miles around. A hunting party, platoons of police from three police stations, doing whatever mischief. The panther is a young male, is a fine specimen of the tribe, being 18. Folks could hardly believe an animal could be so active. The handsome brownish fellow had evinced desire for freedom at times, had never made any wild breaks, had seen captivity all its days. There had been no thought of the panther's teeth in the building of the prison. Shouts of laughter, joking, merriment, and carelessness suddenly changed into fear and dread when the panther liberated himself. This poem is an erasure of the newspaper article, Panther Escapes from the Bronx Zoo, published by the New York Times in 1902. And I'll end with Explorer. Explorer brings to America all things he has taken. He worked with great speed, tying strings. His haste was due to his desire. He is most expert in the ability to make snares, one of the necessary accomplishments of his people. His nimble fingers make a net with great rapidity. These nets are stretched great distances and drive prey into the snares where they become entangled. His favorite playground is Africa, so many deities convenient for his veneration. Clad in a khaki jacket, he grins good-naturedly and says yes to all questions, one of the very few words he knows. He has seen so many things, he is beyond feeling. White man began in a ship, silent, showing the whites of his eyes and teeth. This poem is a white-out erasure of the newspaper article, Explorer Werner Home with African Curious, brings Mr. Otabenga, a dwarf, to act as his valet, published by the New York Times on September 2nd, 1906. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Candace. Uh, that was amazing, as usual. Um, how many erasure poems have you written by now? Uh, maybe like 10 or 15. I actually erased uh, The Heart of Dar Darkness in its entirety weeks ago and like Just for kicks yeah because i hate that book <laughs> yeah yeah with good reason uh i mean um, if you're gonna do anything during the pandemic <laughs> you might like, as well week, i was just like i have this book and the congo papers it's just done it's over i'm just erasing that shit so maybe <laughs> yeah i would love to see that actually uh how much is left after you erased it like a paragraph <laughs> you just erase the whole thing <laughs> no 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 i mean there's like step down tercets and it's like a it's like a narrative of yeah so it's there is some stuff there but i had to erase most of it because it's racist garbage but <laughs> all right uh well done thank you again uh this is the time of the night where i ask kindle if shayla has joined us yet because i got a text that she hadn't yet appeared she has not 
Okay, well, that's too bad. Uh, Shale is a former student of mine from uh, Quinnipiac, which I, <laughs> is an institution I love. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Stella Lee. How are you, Stella? I'm good. <laughs> All right, take it away, Stella. Thank you. Um, All the wonders of the world. There are creases near your mouth before a smile, confidence in the way your feet land on the ground after being airborne, admiration in your embrace, long nights that twitch with dreaming things, twisted sheets and faint smells of lavender, sonic vibrations of our conversation, quiet afternoons, your words and my sleeping ears, rays of sunlight that finally, finally trick in the northern direction of a poorly planned move to let you sunbathe for exactly five minutes every evening, lingering in sunsets. The spark in your eyes before a lie, my confessions, I'm still not sure what to do. Your thumb split in two, flowering a crimson fountain to my distress. Your small hand on my back, the firmness that halted my tears. You protect me from the darker things lurking in my liquid vision as you stare before the needle pricks. Each time we danced recklessly in the living room, forgetting that flying is not a human quality, your smell right before a bath, such sweetness, wanting to be seals or dolphins in a small cracked bathtub that flows larger than the Atlantic, all the water soaking into the deepest parts past drying. You still remember the ebbs and flows of my breath, the whisper of my murmurings, the din in my heart, listing things, so my memory doesn't continue to fray and I lose the feeling of you in time with mine. Past forgetting, your timber strikes me awake at night. The deepest of sleep never shields me from your cries. Rocking till twilight and dawn, joined in a moment of centrifuge, your feverish body in my arms, the smell of illness tries to seal away your fervent joy. There are so many things that are wondrous. The seconds are too bloated, the hours overwhelmed, but these days slip past me. I look up. You are facing the door, leaving me closer to loneliness. You will find your own loves, your own narrations, and I, a passing thought, a mother, whose grasp slipped past your hand, brushed your cheek one last time, and whose voice comes through wavelengths over satellite lines, sparingly like shadows at noon. Thank you. Beautiful poem, Stella. Thank you. Uh, this is your first time reading for the open mic, isn't it? Yes, and I was very nervous. This is the first time I'm reading at an open mic in almost 20 years. Wow, congratulations. Uh, let's Thank give you. it up virtually for Stella. Let's see those hands, people. <laughs> uh, let her know you appreciate her. Uh, I love these lines uh, about the bathtub, especially. Uh, you smell right, your smell right before a bath, such sweetness. Um, I feel like that's a good quality for a person to have. Smelling good before the bath. <laughs> uh, it's my children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I also love this about the seals or dolphins in the small crack bathtub. Uh, I'm glad you decided to read again after 20 years. Uh, keep coming back. We'd love to have you again, of course. Um, all right, I think we have another Yop debuter uh, reading next, if I'm not mistaken, Megan Moylan. How are you, Megan? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? All right, yeah, you, you sound good. <laughs> Happy right. to be Go for it. 
I wear a mask made of candlelight and a dress of dandelions. I don myself with beauty and light to share with you, Very to make cool. sure you feel the warmth of my facade. The mirror reads me like lyrics to a song white girls play on their purple painted ukuleles with names like Destiny and Sage and Rowena. I etch into my jaw every female character in every rom-com whose name I can remember. I can't remember any of their names, but it's the thought that counts. They are the women that make the men feel strong. The women that shrink their spirits small enough to fit into a size two. The women whose names I can't remember because their names were never the important part of the story. I tattoo my palms with lace, woven so tight it's barely distinguishable from the sheet they lay over the broken bodies of my sisters. What a beautiful decoration to design them with. We honor their goodness and their light with lace. A white, opaque lace that uses its holes not to see through, but to distract. We must use our body as a gift, as armor, as our identity. I wear a mask made of candlelight and a dress of dandelions. That's why my greatest fear is a man's pointed breath. Okay, great ending. <laughs> um, so, have you ever read for an open mic before? I have, but not for this one. <laughs> okay, well, th thanks for gracing us with your presence. <laughs> hey, thank uh, you. Keep coming back. Uh, so you were in Los Angeles, and now you're in Brooklyn. Yeah, Great. I was born and raised in L.A. All right. Well, uh, New York is doing better than L.A. right now with the coronavirus, so uh, that was a good move, I think. I don't <laughs> know what they're doing in L.A., but they're, they're screwing stuff up. <laughs> they stand by the move. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on, I just want to remind everyone to, who is a panelist to mute their mics because uh, we're, we're hearing somebody <laughs> humming in the background or something. Our next reader is Frank Rubino. How are you, Frank? I'm well, thanks, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. All right, go for it. Glue and toothpicks. I spoke with my son yesterday, quietly, without rising to anger. I kidded my daughter about the buckets of coffee she drinks. I didn't see my stepkid, but I heard their outbursts against fate. My other stepkid gave me blackberries and turmeric. I tried it, but I didn't like it. With my son, is go slow, listen. He packs so much into words, but physically, like sandbags or igloo blocks. He needs a wall between you and him, always did. He's like a cat walking on a ledge. My wife's cough has returned. She sounds like her body's a weapon and it's being fired. Our walks help her rehabilitate after foot surgery. She stumbles ahead with a forward tilt that reminds me of the way I skate. We cross Ridgewood to the park, which is closed for COVID, so we turn around. Like when something blows and clings to you, like a garbage bag in a gale, we were wrapped suddenly in black tarpaulin thoughts. I wanted to fork off alone up Wachung, but we couldn't part. My mind kept coming back to, this is where we are. This is a person I love. If she should die of this cough, I'd hold her in my arms and sob. So why not now when she's alive? 
how do I turn my thoughts from wanting to punch her in the nose? We have intellection and we can reason, but reason's just glue and toothpicks on the elephant's back. And so I'm a mixed person in a mixed country. I got an email today from a man who lost his wife in a school shooting. I got coffee beans in bulk yesterday. I'm getting green pea aroma and dirt from the beans. I'm sending money to the man, enough is enough. Sometimes I'll get into the middle of night's log and just lie there. I'll shed my features and become even more larval. Wow, thank you, Frank. That was uh, great. Uh, I didn't know what to expect from a poem titled Glue and Toothpicks, but I was intrigued. But that was a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, especially this line, she sounds like her body's a weapon and it's being fired. Damn. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, representing the Red Wheelbarrow, <laughs> Red yeah. Wheelbarrow Poets Well. That's hard to say, actually. Especially with the word well right after it. Um, okay. Our next poet, Laura Renee Tucker. How are you, Laura? I am fine. And hello, everybody. I say happy Monday. Yeah, your background uh, looks cool. Thank you. You know, it's better than seeing, um, you know, a wrecked bed. <laughs> um, let, me, let me not disclose anymore. Um, mine is called um, April 3rd. 1968 and just to let people know that um april 4th was the assassination of martin luther king so this is the day before lorraine welcomed a king and his court with gideon bibles in the drawers ice in the buckets highly noted in the green book lorraine made sure they felt welcome with the sheets folded down not over someone's head and hermetically sealed soap on the vanity. Lorraine, the quintessential hostess, briefly held him and his dream, gave them respite, even just for one night. Memphis was his mountaintop. He told her he came back having something to prove in a city of two worlds. Proud men as human billboards reminding narrow minds, they too, are American, facing men with centuries of disdain, groupthink of poisoned minds, incensed that the service class deserved to be served. Lorraine knows of service, available all night, guaranteed safe after sundown. Yet, in 24 hours, what Lorraine had to do would be more than hanging towels and fluffing pillows balcony his perch he stood looking down at his nights making plans for the promised land sun in his eyes he vowed to return leaving lorraine his disheveled sheets smothered cigarettes in the ashtray dreams scattered across the floor mulberry street became the road to the promised land but for the rest of us the road had a detour like lemmings we veered off the cliff. We all fell when his throat was pierced by white hot hate speeding through the Contel Pro's crosshairs. 
right in front of Lorraine. Lorraine didn't want the attention or fame, nor the responsibility of cleaning his blood and brains. She knew nothing would ever be the same. So she embraced her place in history, kept her green book address and changed her name. The Lorraine Hotel is now the National Civil Rights Museum, 450 Mulberry Street, Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> you can see people clapping uh, wildly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. that was a great reaction. Um, wow. Another uh, heavy poem. Um, how you been doing, Lorraine? Uh, <laughs> I just well, Lorraine's Lorraine. been fine. Lorraine's been just... <laughs> how are you, I'm, Laura? <laughs> I, I'm ecstatic. I, I've been accepted to the Stony Brook Southampton College MFA Creative Writing. Nice. Um, Congratulations. So I, yep. I start in September virtually. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm really going to be my <laughs> right. And, yeah, and I was um, also a part of the Southampton Writers Conference just ended yesterday, so I'm a little burnt out. But I was um, right. Roger um, Rosenblatt's assistant for the conference, so it was, you know, mad cool. I said I'm a writer. I put it out in the universe, and the universe is like, oh, okay, so step up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for you. That's great news all around. Thank um, you. And I got to thank you because I've been coming and listening yeah. and getting the good vibes from Brooklyn Yap. Yeah. Well, trying. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully they give you the good vibes in the MFA program too. Hopefully the virtual format uh, works. Curious to see. You should let me yeah. know. I'll I'd keep <laughs> you posted. Goes. Might yeah. write a poem about it. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to. <laughs> you, you're going to be historically like the first uh, incoming MFA class virtually. So uh, maybe one day soon we'll do an anthology, <laughs> a virtual MFA. <laughs> virtual. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a terrible idea. Uh, but maybe not. All right. Uh, thank you, Laura. Thank you. Our next poet, no stranger to many of you who've been coming to the op lately, Rita A. Simmons. How are you, Rita? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Happy, happy to have to you. Happy to be here and, and see everyone. Um, so thank you everyone for, for your beautiful work, for sharing. And thank you, Jason, for always putting this on. Um, I just, I have a short poem here, so I wanna give a little bit of an introduction. I'm at my cousin's lake house. She's in the hospital and uh, she, she went into the hospital on uh, January 28th with an infection. She has COVID-19. She's still in the hospital. So she invited me to, to come to her lake house. And uh, so I wrote this poem here at her lake house. So I would really ask everyone good thoughts, prayers, whatever it is you can offer for my cousin Marie would be greatly appreciated. So the poem is called Lake House for Marie. We built our home on the hill, hoping there would always be a lake to look at. We hoped for children too, but the rooms remained vacant, echoing curses, until we filled them with books we never read, clothes we never wore, gifts we never sent or returned, all to silence the scorn that produced the uninhabitable. I fell ill 
and he fell in love with a woman much younger. The house is heavy with deflated dreams, but beyond my view, the lake extends. I sigh a sail that doesn't end. Damn, Rita. <laughs> You're just killing me here. Uh, that poem is powerful. Um, I think we all hope your cousin Marie gets better. Thank you. Send, uh, send her our love. I'm going to, I'm going to tell her that, um, I read this poem and, um, that I got support from the Brooklyn poets. She'll be very happy. (laughs) Have you shared this poem with her? Um, you know what? There's a part of it that might hurt her a little bit. So maybe I won't do that. But, um, but I really, you know, I, I could really feel her suffering when, when I wrote this poem. And that's really just what came out. So I was just being very honest. But I don't, you know, I don't know if, if it would make her happy to, you know. I know that, I know that, that she sighs a sail that doesn't end. And I know how much she loves the lake. You know? Yeah. I love that line. I sigh a sail that doesn't end. Um. Hopefully one day you can share it with her. Thank I, you. Yeah, I probably wouldn't share it with her right now either. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, she's got enough that she's dealing with. Um, okay. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Uh, it's just, these poems just, they, they move me and they fill me with rage about um, that motherfucker in the White House <laughs> just killing thousands of people with this bullshit. Um, okay, I'm going to stop because I'm just going to keep going and ruin this event for everyone. Our next poet is Todd Friedman. going to try to keep a smile on, keep the uh, half smile of kindness on my face as I've been instructed to do by my morning meditation. Todd, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Okay. The Wisdom of Sisyphus. Have you ever noticed that the cynic likes to sing the same songs over and over again? Don't worry. You'll change. You'll get wise. You'll learn, which is all really the same song to let you know that you, with your hopes and your dreams and your visions, just haven't grown up yet. The cynic is proud of his certainty. He likes to expound on his law of gravity. Meanwhile, take note. There are no comets in his universe, no shooting stars, only eclipses, permanent eclipses. And while the cynic is telling you about the inevitability of the change in you, he also lets you know about the other law of the universe. You can't change human nature. Hey, human beings will always fuck the other guy over. That's just the way it is. But don't worry, the cynic understands you. He doesn't want you to think he has no compassion for you. After all, he used to be just like you until he got wise. At least he calls it wisdom. But how sad it is that nothing would make him happier than for you to become just like him. For then he'll be able to smile at you and sing another one of his greatest hits. I told you so. Um, I feel like that was the perfect poem to follow my little outburst. <laughs> uh, did you have fun writing this? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I battle my cynicism every day. <laughs> Maybe every hour. Um, okay. So uh, is this a problem for you too, Todd, battling your own cynicism or not? Um, I don't know. I think, I think it just came out of um, people always saying along the way that, don't worry, when you get older, you'll change. And I'm older, but still have hope that we... You mean that doesn't happen? <laughs> That's really disappointing. <laughs> uh, wow, I have a lot to look forward to. Uh, by the way, everyone, I'm about to turn 44 on August 3rd. Uh, this is where you all write in the chat, you don't look 44 at all, Jason. Uh, and uh, then I'm just going to take a screenshot of that chat. Uh That'll be fun. Uh, I'm not going to have a birthday party. Our next poet is another newcomer to the Brooklyn Poets Yop. Uh, correct me if I say your name wrong. Is it Rebecca Vega Romero? Sure, that works. That's the um, like Americanized version. That's totally cool. Pronounce it the right way so we get it on the record. <laughs> Rebecca Vega Romero. Yeah, see, that sounds a lot better. So now I'm going to try that. But see, my accent is terrible. But... When we do the podcast, I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How are you, Rebecca? I'm like a little nervous. This is my first um, public open mic. You've done a private open mic? Uh, yeah, I have like a group of friends that oh, Megan's okay. actually in um, cool. that has been doing that in quarantine. All right. All right. Well, uh, uh, don't be nervous. This is a very loving crowd. <laughs> Thank you. Go for it. All right. Um, here, sorry, I'm just going to read it off of my screen instead of that, because it'll be easier. Okay, this is called The Memory in My Pinky. Fingers have memories. I never knew that till I saw my father's crispy husks at the hospital that first day after the fire. The elegant nails and agile tips, blackened, shriveled, unrecognizable. The sinew between them pulled taut like the strings of his beloved guitar, wound sharp beyond the proper pitch, though these strings were so sharp they pulled the frets out of order and bent the very neck of the vessel. My first thought was not of the harm those fingers had inflicted. No, it was not how my papa had used them for ill and perhaps earned their loss. I saw at once there is no harm he could have caused to earn that grief. My first thought was of the music those fingers held in their memory. Was that music now ashes, lost to the dust, like the skin and fat and bone that had stored them? But this is not a poem about my father. This is a poem about my fingers how my fingers always know when I am touching the right card, they tingle and grow warm. How my fingers do know when I'm singing the note right, they freeze, and even now they tremble. How did my fingers know your hand the first time we touched? Why do they ache down to their connecting joints when you are out of reach? Even my pinky remembers how good you feel in my hands. I cannot unknow los recuerdos de mis manos. To unlearn your touch, I fear, 
would require a fire that twisted my instrument into something mythically unrecognizable. And even then would my fingers take after me Padre in their stubborn knowledge, just as they do in their length and skill and grace. You see, my father is making music again. It's not the same. No, it may never be lo mismo, pero it is something Promethean to witness. And so I reach for you again, and my fingers sigh their relief into yours, and your fingers respond in kind. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Rebecca. Um, <laughs> Not only a beautiful poem, but beautiful imagery behind Thank this. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, thanks. I've been playing a lot with um, photos and poems, and I'm kind of making a book. Um, I call them foams. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. But yeah. Foams, like P H O E M S. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I love this stanza over here. I don't know if you can see my little cursor, even my pinky remembers how good you feel in my hands. Um, Thank you. It's almost like a little little haiku over there. Um, okay, are these your hands? Or somebody else's hands? One of them's mine. Oh, okay. I won't ask who the others is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to embarrass you in case that was potentially. Oh no, an no, answer. it's just it's like uh, it's kind of a prophetic poem. Like I I wrote it and then something mythic happened. Oh, well, that's really nice. Let's go back I and guess. look at these hands again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes me All feel right, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> Some good news. Um, okay, our next reader, uh, no stranger to many of you who've been attending lately. Uh, another former Broken Poets student of mine. The best bio tonight, uh, I ask everyone to take a moment and read this bio. It's not just <laughs> boilerplate, uh, but uh, it's very funny. Um, so, Lila Rudishauser, how are you? Don't call me out like that, man. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, I just, if I didn't say anything, people were probably just going to ignore it. Uh, yeah, but they should well, all read for the this last few, For the last few yops, I've been making my bios increasingly weird. Just waiting to see if somebody's going to comment on it. Uh -huh. More like a fatigued earthworm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel every day. <laughs> all right. Go for it. All right. Disintegration. I squeeze forgiveness from my pupils to my pupils that I am not what I had been. Soft lashes, ears like shells, bulbous wonder gazing at the camera, the eyes of a calf. Freckles sit jauntily above my lip, protruding left of my chin. Dermal blueprints I trace with my thumb connect with my tongue, diagonal slash across my mouth. Freeze-framed skin leaps off a photo, cocoons itself like gauze across my face. Rawness clogs my nose and seeps into my ear canal. It whispers, who could butcher me jagged but yourself? I stretch it off this nagging mask, unjust hesk. I wore you well. It falls silent. 
I comprehend nothing and I am incomprehensible to myself. Let me revel in it, the wrongness of it all, smudged film waiting to be drenched. Okay. <laughs> this is such a interesting poem. And I say that in a good way. A lot of times I say interesting in workshop and I mean that in kind of a bad way, but uh, this, I love the language of this poem. Uh, it's very strange in a, a sort of almost terrifying way <laughs> in some ways. Um, I couldn't help but notice Kindle's comment in the chat about checking out your Instagram from the last open mic and realizing it was the rocks Instagram page. Uh, hopefully that brings <laughs> a smile to your heart. <laughs> um, you have a lot in common with The Rock, Lila. I have everything in common with The Rock. <laughs> Look-wise, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our next reader is Harvey Sauce, also no stranger to many of you. How are you, Harvey? I go unmute my audio. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. All right, let me bring up my version of the poem, I changed a few words in it. Um, okay. Okay. First, let me, as, as I generally do, in, invite you all to uh, join Artful Dodgers Poetry at its next open mic with features, which is scheduled to occur on uh, Saturday, uh, July 25th at 4 p.m. Um, we're going forward, I guess, as, as uh, the office with uh, virtual readings, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, although you can see behind me, I guess, the, uh, the space where we otherwise would be. Um, I have included in the chat, which I, I've addressed to everybody, uh, the link to join. So fee please feel free to join me, uh, or you can contact me at poetsas, S-O-S-S, at gmail.com for information or to sign up. Or just you know appear on the page in Zoom and we'll let you read. Uh, this is a poem uh, written for those who uh, might consider whether there are worlds within worlds, uh, and whether um, when you pick up a snow globe, uh, you are disturbing the equanimity of others. Uh, it's called "Careful with That Snow Globe, Please." Certainly, you must have been asked more than once, who lives there? By one of your children or some young relative, holding up the snow globe to the fanlight and gazing into a cyclopean eye, shaking the globe a bit, then sitting back to watch the snow settle, fine as powdered sugar on a pastry. Referring, of course, to the red roof chalet enclosed in blown glass, a rarity today when everything, snow globes included, is mass manufactured. Your glassed-in house, smaller even than that little house on the prairie, chronicled by Laura Ingalls and followed by us nine volumes and nine years on TV. Truth is, the ceiling of your little house appears too low, its rooms too narrow to accommodate anything much larger than your imagination. Thumbelina couldn't have squeezed herself through those doors. Tinkerbell's wings, unexercised, would have sagged and fallen off. And yet, 
And yet, when you stare at it long enough, entranced by imperfections in the glass, you can sense, if not exactly see, a protest of snowshoers glaring back at you, Inuit of the snow globe ecosystem, stamping muck-locked feet, demanding an end to apocalyptic shaking. Could your tenants be those very shot in Freudians and blown glass bubbles? Consequential thinkers are always cautioning not to throw stones. And whose face would they be throwing at if not yours? Hugely reflected in the glass. Ginormous, godlike figure stirring things up with the touch of a feather duster. Prophylactically, you instruct your Haitian cleaning woman to abjure as a hoodoo this fear collecting dust on your desk, with it lucky lose looking out, it being your job to tend to it with a timely spritz of Windex. That these avatars of your imagining might more clearly view a world yours and ours not so snowbound as their world is. Were you able to hear me? It was great, Harvey. Oh, I, could, I just couldn't hear anything. I thought maybe I just went through this thing. I'm not sure of the experience. What'd you say? That, that's the nature of this experience. Oh, okay. Jason, we can't hear you. You can't hear me? No, no, Harvey, I could hear you, but I didn't that's what's happening. I was muted the whole time. Thank you for finally letting me know, Candace. Oh, <laughs> where are all my other friends on this event? <laughs> Just making an ass of myself. Yeah, that's I wasn't doing anything. I had no idea whether I was just talking into the ether or you know. Oh Lord! See, the problem is I have this mic hooked up, and I mute the mic, and I don't realize that the the computer is muted. You all don't need to know that. Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Our next reader is uh, Preeti Shah. How are you, Preeti? Hey, how are you doing? Um, you know, the same as I probably was 15 minutes ago. <laughs> That's, I don't know why I said that. Stupid answer. <laughs> All right, go for it. Hey, so this poem is actually after uh, Jessica Abugata's poem um, from The Wax Wing. Fatherless. Without a father, because he is missing. Example as silk stolen from the worm, who will die without the knowledge of his life's making, as memory dampened in the warped wood of an aged piano, as the child buried in the river of his father's dreams, a bargain for a void, proficient at the language of wells, the view of a garden from a keyhole, but to turn the key and enter, turns the earth to rust, Paralysis from touching rose petals. The missing flank from a thousand photographs. A yearning for the shadow and periphery. A cremation that precedes a home burning down. A beach without a single wave being pushed to shore. A sacred fire unable to summon its ancestral ghost. Peristalsis after the consumption of a boulder a home built from a column of air wailing into the surf of night, the crush of an iceberg from the impaling of needle and thread, a lake of tears surrounding a tree stump, broken, 
Example, as a country fractured in the rib, fragmenting into borders. Night, example, as it cries on the shoulder of itself for unspoken losses, as the silhouette we learn but now can trace, foreseeing the creation of our own urns. Okay, thank you, Preeti. That was amazing. Thanks. Uh, hopefully I'm not muted. <laughs> uh, I love this form. Uh, it's a really striking poem, uh, textually and sonically. Um, the missing flank from a thousand photographs. Where did that line come from? Um, that was a compliment. <laughs> Thank hopefully, you. Hopefully you understood that. Um, okay. Uh, our next reader is Bonnie Belay. This title is very, very forebode, foreboding. Some of the dead. How are you, Bonnie? Fine. It's a Memento Mori poem. Um, All right. It also has the word steadle in it. Last week, last month, you said we should write poems with the word steadle in it. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> okay. Some of the dead. Roberto, Hans Peter, Selma. Alan's grandmother, Rivka, shot in the back, pushed into a ditch. Jamie died of AIDS. Maurice must be dead. He stopped writing 10 years ago. Tony and Gracia died taking the stairs at 400 pounds. I found Helen Chasen's obituary in the New York Times. My mother, Vera, and all her sisters. My father, Edward. Ancestors eaten by plague, by wolves, by each other. Killed by Cossacks, by hunger. The place that was Russia, then Poland, then Russia in chaos. All the inhabitants of the Stedel gone. Okay, well, the way you use Stedel is so... Heartbreaking, though. I feel like now I can't make a joke about it. Well done. Thank Good you. use of shtetl. <laughs> <laughs> the only time uh, I've ever used it. <laughs> is that true? In a poem, yes. Yeah. All right. I would have to write more. Yeah. Now I feel like I have to use the word shtetl. Uh, I'm not sure I could do it. This is such a weird conversation we're having. Why do I? Why do I do these? conversations with I'm sorry that I'm making you have this conversation with me uh it's a great poem um how are you doing Bonnie I'm fine yeah yeah uh can you just uh lower your camera a little bit so we can see that t-shirt you're wearing all right good look I thought it was a Brooklyn Poets t-shirt uh that reminds me I have to ship they're very comfortable and they're very light for summer <laughs> you would think I paid her to say that but I did not I'll accept money though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a I'll send you a check. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you, Bonnie. You're welcome. Our next reader is the one and only Jerry Wagner. How are you, Jerry? Jerry. Hi, is Jerry here now? <laughs> is that you? I I think it's me, yes. <laughs> I'm it's waving. Become, it's become very existential. Okay. All right. Good. Um just a couple of things. Um I take long walks, even like during lockdown, I go out late at night and I take long walks. Uh, in fact, I, you know, but anyway, so some of these came, came out of this and this came out of one of those walks and uh, <clears throat> it got published uh, a month ago today, uh, which was a Saturday, the 13th, in What Rough, Rough, Rough Beast uh, Corona Edition. 
And also I had a piece come out uh, on the 1st of July in Coffin Bell. Just, uh, it's been good publishing years so far with all the other bad things. And how grand it must be. Tonight I came upon two big rigs parked head to head on the sidewalk opposite Con Ed. On each low boy trailer, tons of copper cable spooled into five tall, wide wheels. Each cab sported gleaming chrome, an array of custom running lights. Each was painted lustrous white. Scripture lettered in silver script behind the driver's door on one. I don't remember the text exactly, but it rang Calvinist. And once I would have dismissed the driver as an unthinking drone, an enemy of complex thought, a stranger to the skeptic's requisite doubt. But tonight, I imagine how grand it must be hauling Interstate 80 from your Indiana to my Brooklyn, up high, maybe the window down, your elbow out, with what you believe to be truth hand-lettered meticulously beside you for all the world to see. All right. I think that was uplifting. Such a, a strange, a strange shit. Like, I don't remember what uplifting feels like. Uh, I love this turn, but tonight I imagine how grand it must be hauling Interstate 80 from your Indiana to my Brooklyn. Uh, almost as good as driving from Ohio to Brooklyn. <laughs> sort of over the same area, isn't it? You know. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I just have to say that because I'm from Ohio. It's also shorter from Ohio. Again, a really dumb conversation I'm having. I'm really in terrible form tonight. Um, thank you, Jerry. Congrats on all the publications. Uh, good for you. Keep it up. Keep thank kicking you. ass. Uh, our next poet... I believe is another Yacht debuter. Debuter. <laughs> debuter. Uh, it is kind of a strange word to think that you uh, make the T go away. <laughs> is it uh, Keyshawn Moore? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's right. All right, Keyshawn. How are you? I'm doing all right. Happy yeah. to be here. It's been fun so far. This is your first time reading for the open mic, yes? Yep. All right. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, the Circle Game. After Joni, Marley, and Lauren. Thankfully, you can't choose the you I see, though many have tried. Be warned, the choosing cannot be sustained without a rupture. In the same way, Earth pops open often to level it all and draw herself in to begin again. So let us make of it a dream. Let us throw it all into the reckless abyss. This is what forgiveness is, isn't it? The labored conjuring of it evident in the twitch. Two knee-bent brows collapsing over the ridge. The weight of a pardon pending, pressing round orbit. That bone rim chomping at cornea like caramel. Memory sticking to the tooth. But what of your cavity? A birth nook now. The center of it so sensitive with new life, swelling from a rotted thought, swelling from still blood, drunk with sugar, becoming its own garden of budding fire. Leave it. We are all breathing wounds. 
our bodies these hot houses of clipped beginnings? For what is decomposition if not a soundless chorus racing toward the sense in disintegration? Let us sing this aching rumination even when our petals fall and for a moment we stand sheared and made nothing and made nothing more than skin on stem. Let us kneel and lick the acrid mix of spore and scab, knowing our outsides are being frittered away by air. Wow, man, that was, a, that was incredible. Uh, what a debut. We are all breathing wounds, our bodies, these hot houses of clipped beginnings. Uh, I think I saw Rebecca, like, <laughs> like move in her screen when that line was uttered <laughs> she like visibly like moved backwards um so uh tell us more about yourself Keisha, since you're new here or not you can i'm not fine um Keyshawn, i live in brooklyn like williamsburg bushwick border oh cool I write poetry and i sell vintage clothes um nice i think that's about it <laughs> I live in uh, Williamsburg, the Upper East Side part of it, Jackson Street. Okay. I used to live in the South South Side, Southeast Side, uh, like Meserol. What street are you on? I'm on Ten Ike. Okay, cool. Like a couple blocks south of Grand Street. Yeah, yeah, I know it well. <laughs> I was biking through there the other day. Okay, thank you for that amazing poem. Uh, keep coming back. We'd love to hear more. Our next poet, no stranger to many of you, I've, I've really got to retire that phrase tonight. I've already used it like four times. Uh, Arthur Russell, former Yawper of the Year. How are you, Arthur? Good, good, thank you. I was a little chagrined that Lila won Bio of the Month. But <laughs> I really, well, I didn't get a chance to read yours. Is yours special too? Oh, it's pretty funny. It was okay. All right, yeah. Well, but you know, you I apologize. I didn't look at yours in advance. Yours is also very good. You know, Listen, I, I wanted to thank Candace for a great workshop. I really enjoyed that. I think I'll get something out of it eventually, but it was a lot. Uh, so the, the one thing all this being alone has taught me is that you care more about the people you don't really care about and less about the ones that you do than you think. And this, um, this uh, beginning, this poem is sort of the beginning of recognizing that, that the periphery is what keeps you alive uh, when your heart won't. So this is called Something Beautiful Admits This Disaster. Gabe, my super, called to say the worst had happened. The second ball joint on his Sentra had failed. A fireman friend would do the work for a hundred, plus another hundred for the part, but there was a tool he'd need to rent. You could put the deposit of 250 on your card but he didn't have a card. There, the ratchet hold of money tightened, pinned beneath a log in rising water. That's how a statistic with arms would look. Life folding in when it ought to be unfolding. A man with two kids, when just last week at my house, he came to get the mower and saw my big fat peonies blooming in the early heat. He said he'd seen some at the cemetery where he worked the year he was discharged from the army, but he never knew their name. So after his call about the ball joints, I dug up the peony in front of my house and brought it shedding petals like a sailor with 
250 cash I gave to his wife, who signed a receipt apologizing for the need while the baby on her lap reached for the pen and said, paper. Then outside, I dug a hole for the clod with the peony attached and watered it as if to cure injustice and texted him a picture of it, drooping stems and dirty blooms. He texted back, thanks, something beautiful admits this disaster amidst. All right, thank you, Arthur. That was uh, beautiful. Your, uh, I don't know if you saw my comment, your prefatory remark just killed me. Uh, I can't even, I don't even want to paraphrase what you said, but something about uh, the people you, you care more about the people you don't care about than, <laughs> and care less about the people that you do. I feel like I just muddled that. I said you, you care more about the people you don't care about and less about the ones that you think you do than you think. Yeah. And that this is the beginning of realizing that, that the periphery keeps you alive when your heart won't. Yeah, it's very true, very profound. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday? <laughs> is that for me or for Harvey? Well, for Harvey too. <laughs> he threw you in, Harvey. Uh, thank you for that, Arthur. I appreciate it. Um, okay, I, I've been told that Isaac uh, has dropped out. Uh, our illustrious board member is too bad. Uh, I'm going to leave his bio on the screen for a second. Uh, maybe you can read some of his poem real quick. Isaac is the editor of Curlew Quarterly, which if you don't know it, is a fantastic journal. Local. Uh, not only publishes uh, literature, but uh, uh, these amazing photo spreads that are done in the writers' homes, uh, and usually the writers featured are uh, also interviewed in their homes, and uh, a photographer goes out there and takes pictures of your home. Uh, it's, it's quite glamorous, actually. <laughs> There's, I don't know another literary journal that does that, so uh, it's pretty unique. Uh, you should uh, definitely send work to Curlew if you get a chance, and get to know Isaac's work, because it's great. Uh, I just had... Uh, dinner with Isaac the other day. We were uh, in uh, Park Slope. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but uh, I feel like I should. Um, uh, yeah. Jason, thanks for... Uh, for oh, the you're work. back. He's back. No, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I've been listening. There have been a lot Are of... Are you going to read? ...and poems. I, um, I lost my grandfather on Friday, and I was listening to the workshop that Candace led, which was amazing, and I just feel a little bit moved to write about something else and don't really want to share what I wrote for today, but I am, uh, please do for you guys. So I don't have anything else for now for now. So, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for <laughs> saying that. Um, but, sorry about that. No, it's okay. So, um, but it's a, uh, I think a sensitive time for a lot of people and I thought I'd be ready to read, but I'm not quite ready, but thank you for, for the opportunity. So. Okay. I understand. Love you, man. You too. Um, okay. Our next poet then is Robin Romeo, who many of you know from recent Yops, former winner of Poem of the Month earlier this year. How are you, Robin? I'm doing great, Jason. As long as I'm here, I'm always doing great. Yeah. Thank you. Glad yeah. to hear it. Okay, so this is a revision of poem I actually read at the previous year, I think maybe the last year. Night's dawn, 
after James Wright. It's an urgent slope towards West Bay from the top of this hill. I'm in a sky that sprawls over the land and water all the way to where everything blurs. Evening takes its time, dissolving late afternoon. Stacks of cloud filaments glow magenta as they surrender their pure gold to a sun hurrying its descent. I'm here for the flash, that wink as the sun dips into the calm of elusive proximity, half emerald green, half white gold sweet spot sandwiched between day and night. It's the same each time earth rotates, certain as night following day to be, each turn different in the same way an individual is from all others. I squander a wish to stretch this moment indefinitely, this emptiness that petitions to be filled. It fails at sound, even in the mind. Its words, wrapped in light and relative movement, evoke the pangs of loss, even of what has not yet come into existence. I wait with the patience of a child for the brief interval that makes me release a breath and drop my jaw. But a little below my line of focus, three pelicans are calling it a day. Their trajectory parallels the water as they clear mere inches on wings that seem to feel no draft. My eyes won't leave this metaphor gliding above the laws of gravity, this iteration of my life in which I pass by with no wake, without even a mischievous eddy that tries to articulate my name. And I prime my breath, ready, should a bird fall. Okay, thank you, Robin. I thought we had seen this poem before <laughs> when I looked at the poem doc. I saw the uh, James Wright epigraph and uh, emailed you about that. I didn't realize you had just revised the poem. That's pretty cool. That was just last month? Yeah. Wow, nice. Seems like a long time to me too. Yeah, well, I can't remember the first version exactly, but this version is friggin' awesome. So uh, I think this uh, one is better. You. I'm just gonna say this one is better. <laughs> which is what all poets want to hear after they've revised something it's always the worst thing in the world right you revise something you show to somebody they're like i like the first version better <laughs> it's like i'm i'm not happy i showed it to you anymore <laughs> go away uh yeah but this seems pretty great um okay oh by the way i wanted to mention robin's bio has curly quarterly in it so uh you can see he's uh, submitted work and it's been accepted by Isaac. I invite all of you to do the same. I'm sure Isaac would appreciate seeing more good work. Our next poet is Kyle Bandito Seamus Brosnahan. I feel like your name gets longer every month. Maybe I'm imagining that. Uh, how are you, Kyle? Um, yeah, it's not getting longer. How are you, how are you, how are you Seamus? Can I call you Seamus? <laughs> call me whatever you want. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, this is uh, two chunks from a long ass poem. Just give them a couple minutes and a human being can adjust to anything. A thousand deaths a day, no one blinks an eye. The idea of this happening used to scare us, but now that it is actually happening, nobody gives a shit. At some point, everyone has an existential crisis. I'm having mine right now. Won't be long until 2000 a day is normal. 5,000, 10,000, what's the difference? 
If you are alive, then you have the extraordinary ability to forget or ignore anything. So forget and ignore how we've given up on ourselves. The heart's just not in us. We tried and tired, couldn't abandon our desires, come what may. This country is fucked anyway. It seems I have hitched my wagon to a black hole, but at least I'm not white though. There are a hundred million Filipinos in this world and I'm one of them. And as a Filipino, I have to ask, what are your thoughts and feelings about the Filipino-American war? If you haven't heard about it, I don't blame you. They don't want you to know. The history is fairly straightforward. After their victory in the Spanish-American War, the United States came into possession of the Southeast Asian island nation of the Philippines, named after King Philip II. For over 300 years, the Philippines was a colony of the Spanish Empire until the Revolution of 1896. For years, the Filipinos fought, and just when they slipped out from the Spanish yoke, America decided to have an empire of its own. For the first time, United States troops landed on the shores of Asia in a fit of conquest. The Filipino-American War began with the Battle of Manila in 1899 and ended with American victory on the 4th of July, 1902. This was Teddy Roosevelt's mission-accomplished moment, for although a treaty was signed, the war dragged on for another decade. American losses in the Philippines were greater than losses in Afghanistan. The Filipino losses were uncountable, but most scholars estimate it around one million dead. One million dead. I have a hard time wrapping my head around what a million fucking dead looks like. I have a hard time wrapping my head around the disconnect between our nation's ideals and the history of horror we have havoc, which echo for eternity. The Indian Wars, the Mexican-American War, the Filipino War, the Korean War, the Vietnamese War, the Gulf War, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on terror. Which country or idea are we going to invade next? How many people have to die before we can stop killing? How do we stop a war without fighting in a war? And whose side are you on? All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. Oh, that's, that's hard to say anything after that. Uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm not going to say anything, uh, but that's a, it's a devastating poem. Um, I didn't actually know you were Filipino, so I'm glad you read this poem. <laughs> that makes yeah. me feel closer to you. Yeah. And uh, I wish I had found that out in more cheerful context. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you wrote this poem. So you're working on uh, how, you know, how long ass is this long ass poem? It's like 65 pages at the moment. And uh, it's nothing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, my plan is just to write it all summer and see all right. what happens. I applaud that motive. <laughs> uh, those of you that know me, uh, I always recommend write the longest fucking poem you can. Uh, I'm so glad my mic is muted because I told a really terrible joke while Kyle was fixing his fan. So uh, I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, we'll just move right, right along. Uh, Kyle was uh, one of the co-winners of Yacht Poem of the Year in 2019. And uh, the other co-winner is Constantine Jones, uh, who just finished uh, their workshop for Book Boats, the very first workshop uh, on Saturday. So, Constantine, how is it going? Honestly, um, 
it's cliche as hell to say, but uh, it was like it was life changing and super soul enriching. Like it can it can be like a lot sometimes, you know, just to like be on Zoom for three hours, but then just like the warmth and energy of everybody, like. I don't know. I walk away feeling like I just had therapy and also a full body massage. So it's, it was great. This is when that train comes along Saturday solo. Um, you should listen to Elizabeth Cotton's version. If you want to know where the title came from. There's no way to narrate this. No language could come close. If letters were vibrations, maybe if light was also a sound. The tracks rattle under the slick silver wheels, shaking the splinters loose. The little black train was coming in the uptown Broadway line. There was a boy in a balcony I barely knew, an alley, all its shadows, a tombstone wave of AC units dripping down the brick. Hot steam and a rag and a fire and a night and a fire and a night and a fire. Glass windows in the, cor- in the storefront corner blown out onto the AM street next day. Red apple deli on fire. She's with the angels now, the telephone had said. But where they headed? Where did they go? I'd pull the wings down on sight, make him answer, make him tell me, and take me too. How holy can a ghost really get? How close to the sound of the light? That night on the sheets, we'd only just met. All I was thinking was I'm in the way. I won't pretend to remember a dream here. There wasn't any answers, or signs. Answers had flown with the angels. It was black feathered things on the balcony. Oh, death. Why now? Was this your doing or your old man's work? Did you finally pull on his heavy boots? Did you finally make your decision? Why now? Oh, death. Why this night? Why this lifetime? Why this any of it at all? If I make it through this night, If I make it to the morning, if I make it through this night, be sure I'll be taken to the tracks in the morning. I'll be waiting at that station with two tickets in my hand. I'll be running out to meet you at the bend. Thanks. Thank you, Constantine. Uh, That was a that was a staggering poem. Um, Yeah, this is it's been. It's been a heavy night, uh, but these are beautiful poems, and uh, that was uh, really something, Constantine. I also wanted to say, while at my my mic was not working, that I appreciated what you said about the workshop, and I'm glad uh, that was your experience. Um, okay, uh, that is the end of the advance list. What time is it now? Uh, we have time for maybe two more uh, that are going to be off the wait list and that is going to be two members of our staff. And this is the time when I'm going to ask if you are ready to read and uh, share your screens. Cause I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Jay and Renee. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, why don't you share your screen for us? I will. Okay. Everyone see my screen. Good. Thumbs up something. Cool. I have no idea how to follow Constantine, and especially how to follow Constantine following Kyle, and Constantine following Kyle following Robin. Um, (laughs) I am very overwhelmed in this moment. 
Um, I wrote this poem while studying Ross Gay, and I describe it as my attempt at being like Ross Gay, but there's much less delight. Renee, we love you. No apologies. Love you so much. Um, this is called When I Hold the Peach. I am holding all of the soft globe of it. Yes, I mean the whole fuzzy universe with its black hole of creation, which we call pit and mean seed of life, which is firm and ridged like my grandfather's hands when he sank them into hard soil and planted the tree for me after I was born as he had for every grandchild before, but also let us ponder the skin and its gradient of sunset and also the protection it provides, which is some, but not enough. And sometimes we must cut away the bruises to save what remains, as we sometimes do for our own skin, but often leave this to professionals, like the good surgeon that peeled my grandfather and his freckled and cancered skin. But let us not forget there's still sweetness when bruised. I promise you, even in this peach, currently being split by the violence of my teeth. And truly, I am shocked at how easily flesh parts and a body splits. And when they found my grandfather on the porch, it was a cleaner split made by the trigger of a more reliable device than my mouth can provide. And when they called and said words in some order, I learned of expiration and that he was not my grandfather at all. And I think of all of this as I lick the last juice off my fingers and wonder how I would begin to question whether or not something was ever mine after it is gone. Damn, I would say you followed them pretty well, <laughs> Renee. That is an amazing poem. Uh, and it's so good to hear your work again. Um, just to follow up on, uh, we're going to hear from, uh, Jay Eason next, and uh, Jay will be our last reader, but uh, just something on my mind a lot, and this, I don't know why your poem reminds me of Renee, is just the, the need to, to <laughs> have conversations with uh, those closest to us. Uh, your comment earlier, Arthur Russell, reminded me of this. I just feel like anytime our nation is in crisis, particularly as it is now, uh, we all kind of say, and we see this nationally on Twitter, and then we also just do it in our own lives, like, oh, we need to have a conversation about this. And that, that just becomes like a, a thing where like the need to have a conversation becomes a conversation. <laughs> and uh, you often are having these sort of virtual conversations or things that are sort of happening in the public sphere, and you're often forgetting to just have the conversations with the people in your own lives. Uh, and I'm always reminding myself with Brooklyn Poets is like, you know, the people that are working on the staff are amazing poets. And uh, I'm always wanting to uh, read their work and make sure that uh, I'm, you know, talking to them as people and as poets and not just staff members. So uh, uh, that's why I always love to hear the work of my staff uh, at this event. And uh, I'm glad that uh, I was able to hear your work again tonight, Renee. Uh, you're doing amazing, amazing stuff. Um, Hopefully you didn't tear up at all during this, <laughs> uh, that little speech that came out of nowhere. Uh, okay, Jay Eason. Hello. I just Eason again. I don't know why I keep doing that. Jay Eason. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did that last month too, I think. Uh, take it away. You're our final reader of the night. Okay. Um, Do you know how to share your screen? Yes. Okay, great. I, so this 
So I actually just um, kind of wrote this. It's like a pretty new poem. I've been kind of tweaking it, so. 24 hour surveillance. Been here two days, two weeks. Can't really remember. My world is fluorescent. Can only see stark highlights and things, and even that's dodgy. I have roommates. This girl sleeps next to me. Can't remember her name, but she has a maid. Can't remember what we talk about, but we talk. We stay up all night. She always goes to sleep before me. While everyone around me snores, I saw my fingernails into my skin. My dad sees the cuts. Now Andre, one of the nurses, watches me every night. They cut my nails before dinner, right in front of everybody. Some people snicker. So fucking embarrassing. Andre tells me he remembers me from last time when I ask. He tells me stories to help put me to sleep, but I just lie there listening, holding on to every word. A nurse sits in the bathroom with me, watches me shower. So many people have seen me naked and I haven't even had sex yet. Scar tissue ravages my leg. I hide it, pretend like I don't know why I am here. Damn. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say. Uh, that was amazing. Thank you, Jay. Um, again, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea you had that poem out there. Uh, I'm just going to email all of you tomorrow. Just send me the latest poems that you've been writing because uh, you all just exist. Like we have these emails about like nothing and then like writing this poem <laughs> and uh, just uh, devastating uh, the planet with this, the power of the poem. Um, I guess uh, I'm, I'm sad that Shayla and um, and Isaac couldn't read their poems. And uh, I think there was one other person as well that couldn't share, but uh, the upside is that we got to hear those poems from, those poems from Renee and Jay. Uh, that is it for tonight. Uh, we do have to wrap it up because uh, the night is getting long <laughs> as is the podcast. Uh, I'm gonna share my screen again, go back quickly through this uh, open mic lineup so you know who read and you can cast your votes. Uh, the poets we just heard from Jay Eason and Renee Kay. You can see them, uh, their names in the chat, I'm sure. Before uh, Renee was Constantine Jones, Kyle Seamus Brosnahan goes by Bandito. Also, uh, any of those names will work. Uh, before Kyle was Robin Romeo. Before Robin was Judy, Sh oh sorry, yes, was Judy Schneier. Before Judy was Arthur Russell. Uh, Keyshawn Moore, Gerald Wagoner, Bonnie Belay, Preeti Shah, uh, Harvey Sauce, Lila Rudishauser with a funny bio, uh, Rebecca Vega Romero, hopefully I did it better that time, Rebecca, <laughs> Todd Friedman, Rita A. Simmons, uh, Laura Renee Tucker, Frank Rubino, Megan Moylan, and Stella Lee 
I think was the very first because Shayla did not read. Okay, so there are readers. Uh, again, the number, I'm gonna put it in the chat one more time to vote, 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953, you can just text me the poet's name and that will suffice. I'm gonna stop my share again. Um, our next yop comes your way on August 10th, I believe it is. Let me just check my calendar really quick. It, the yop is always on the second Monday of every month. It is indeed August 10th. That's a week after my birthday. So uh, if you wanna, you know, if you wanna send me a belated gift or sing me happy birthday, actually don't do this. <laughs> don't sing me happy birthday, but uh, we will be uh, just ignoring the fact that it's my 44th birthday on August 10th. That next yop will be led by Emily Skillings, who many of you know. Emily is currently teaching a workshop on the prose poem right now uh, that is super cool. Uh, so I'm sure the workshop she will be leading on August 10th will have something to do with the prose poem, which um, I think Charles Simic once said that writing a prose poem is like squaring the circle. So uh, if you've never squared a circle, <laughs> August 10th is your chance to do that. Um, again, next Thursday, July 23rd, the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series uh, event featuring Zandria Phillips, Danica Kelly, and Rachel Eliza Griffiths will be back on Zoom, 7 p.m. Admission is free, uh, although you can also donate a little. Uh, pick a donation ticket. We're suggesting 5 to $10 donation. You can donate whatever you like. Uh, I think you at least have to donate a dollar. <laughs> Otherwise, Eventbrite will not accept your donation. Uh, but anything a dollar and above will work, or you could just uh, attend for free. Um, again, the podcast is called The Yawpcast. If you want to listen to it, uh, subscribe to it on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other podcasting service. Uh, the Yawpcast of this event will probably come out in a couple of weeks. Last thing, I would love it, we would all love it if you would share some uh, photos and screenshots. In fact, why doesn't everyone just take a selfie right now? <laughs> because no one ever sends me selfies and it's, it's really disappointing. Uh, send me a selfie, send me your best selfie. Maybe I, we need to make it a contest or something. Uh, the best selfie will win a tote bag or something like that. So uh, I've said it. So uh, if you send me a good selfie uh, and I think it's the best one, if I only get one, there will be no tote bag. But if I get at least three, <laughs> whoever sends me the best one, I will send you a tote bag. Uh, they are currently sold out. So whenever we print new tote bags, this is sounding worse and worse the more I talk. But whenever we print new tote bags, I will send you one because we do have to print new ones uh, for the end of the year because every winner of Poem of the Month gets a tote bag. So if you win Poem of the Month this month and send me the best selfie, you might actually get two tote bags. And that would be amazing. Um, Last thing before we shove off, actually two last things because I just saw Candace's face. Uh, another big virtual round of applause for Candace Williams for leading an amazing workshop. Uh, really one of the best that I've seen uh, at the YOP and I've, I've been to a few of these. Uh, Candace is a brilliant teacher. There's that adjective again, Candace, brilliant. Uh, she really uh, knows how to put together a slide presentation in, in a way that I seriously do envy. I wish I had that skill myself. Uh, and uh, also for leading off our uh, reading tonight with some amazing erasure poems. Uh, check out Candace's work. Uh, you can find her online, Candace Williams. Just Google that uh, or look at uh, brooklynpoets.org. You'll see the link uh, to her website uh, in the bio. Uh, and lastly, I just want to uh, urge you all again to uh, just look at the people right in front of you or around you. <laughs> 
Uh, don't just look at uh, the things happening on Twitter or in the news. And, you know, obviously helping in every way you can uh, by donating or sharing news on Twitter. All that stuff is important as well. But I think we often do that and we forget uh, to take care of the people around us, uh, to check in with them. Uh, do that. Um, I've been doing that at my school, Quinnipiac University. I learned this lesson kind of the hard way a few, few, few weeks back when I was so focused on what was happening nationally in New York City that I forgot that my 80% white institution where I teach was having some shit go down and I had just like not been checking my school emails. So uh, ever since then, I have been uh, pretty much focused primarily on that community and doing everything I can to um, uh, fight the power there because boy, do they have some problems. And uh, uh, that's on the podcast now. It's going to be out in the world soon. And I don't give a fuck because <laughs> uh, I got my job letter for next year. It's in writing. So at least I have a job for another year. And uh, if they want to fire me after that for saying what I just did, so be it. Um, be well. Uh, stay safe. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't do anything stupid. Don't, don't go to the Midwest or the South. Uh, and uh, if you know anyone from those areas, uh, tell them to be safe as well. Uh, wear a mask. Uh, for God's sakes, wear a mask. Uh, and we will see you on August 10th. Good night. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yacht open mic for July 13th, 2020. Thanks to our brilliant professor Candace Williams for leading an amazing workshop, really one of the best we've ever seen uh, on Memento Mori. Her uh, PowerPoint slide presentation was uh, next level. Uh, Candace is an amazing poet. If you don't know her work already, check it out. Her chapbook, Spells for Black Wizards, uh, one of the best chapbooks uh, you'll ever read. Largely written in uh, my own Brooklyn Poets Workshop and Comic Con Workshop, which uh, Candace took simultaneously a few years back. Congrats to longtime Yopper Preeti Shah and multiple Brooklyn Poets Fellowship finalists for winning July Yop Poem of the Month for her beautiful poem, Fatherless. Preeti has earned free admission to a future Yop and a Brooklyn Poets tote bag and a spot in our 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown, which is looking like it's most definitely going to be online via Zoom come December. Our next yop comes your way the second Monday of August, August 10th, featuring poet Emily Skillings, one of our regular BKP profs. Emily is teaching a workshop right now on the prose poem, so if you would like to experiment with the prose poem, definitely sign up for that yop because she will be teaching something related to that, I am sure. Go to brooklynpoets.org to sign up. The open mic advanced list is likely full already, but you can definitely sign up for the workshop and for the wait list for the open mic. We are asking for $5 donations. Again, as we continue to do these online uh, yops via Zoom, our donations in August are going to a couple of orgs doing great work right now. Black and Pink, a national prison abolitionist organization dedicated to dismantling the criminal punishment system and the harms caused to LGBTQ folks and people living with HIV AIDS who are affected by the system through advocacy, support, and organizing. 
and also to the First Nations COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund, which we donated to for our last uh, Brooklyn Poets Reading Series event. This fund is designed to distribute funds efficiently and swiftly to native nonprofit orgs and tribal programs that need it most. Thank you again for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already to the Yawpcast, please do so. Rate us five stars on iTunes if you can, as it helps more people find the podcast and ultimately find the poets who are reading for this open mic. We appreciate all of you who have already subscribed and rated us on iTunes. Uh, we will hopefully see you on August 10th for our next Yop on Zoom. And hopefully you will tune again, tune in again to the Yopcast after that. Thanks for listening again. Be well, stay safe, wear a mask. 